with UCLA's new additions for 23 to 24, their basketball team could have a serious size advantage this year in the next season. How will they utilize it? Let's talk about it on Locked On UCLA. You are Locked On UCLA, your daily podcast on the UCLA Bruins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. It's Locked On UCLA. I'm your host, Zach Anderson. Yoxhammer, thanks for tuning into this episode of the Locked On UCLA podcast. I'm not sure if the intro actually played or did not, but for whatever reason, it's having some issues. So we'll just pretend like it played and see what happens there. Thanks for becoming an everyday listener of the Locked On UCLA podcast, football, basketball, and everything in between. And thanks for making this your first listen. Hit the YouTube subscribe button to hit the subscribe button on the audio platform, it is well appreciated. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more by visiting fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. We're going to get started with the likes of UCLA basketball because, hey, I was looking at these youngsters that they're bringing in. Of course, the stories, the overseas recruiting, the European swing as opposed to the in-states recruiting for UCLA in 23 now into 24 and while the Adem Mara situation is still a developing situation with him attempting to leave his current team and eventually become a Bruin for now they've still got Ilan Fibleul you've got Jan Vide, Brandon Williams, Devin Williams, Sebastian Mack you've got so much international flavor you've got a lot of youth you've got a lot of gelling and a lot of newcomers all coming in together in a very overhauled roster for Mick Cronin's squad. So I was kind of wondering, hey, what is the youth going to play a factor into this? And while youth is important, how much will the size be an important factor? Dylan Andrews factors to be a a 6'2 starting point guard. You've got Jan Vide, who I try to get more and more information on him as the days go on. And I look at him, 6'6", sometimes listed as 6'7", a combo guard where Depending on what website you look at, I was looking at NBA Draft Room. He's a guy that could be, in their minds, a first to second round draft pick in the NBA as a point guard at 6'6". So here the Bruins are with some serious size advantages. Last year in the season ending for the Bruins, came against Gonzaga, pounding the glass, getting buckets. Drew Timmy couldn't miss in, in March. And now here UCLA is. Even if you don't even factor in a day Mara into the equation, you've got a Dembona as the Pac-12 freshman of the year coming back one more year. You've got Stefanovic who could fill in as a four. You've got Fibleul. You could have a tall one or a tall two guard coming in from Vide over from Slovenia. And there's been a lot of praise for Vide. And let's not forget Sebastian Mack, Devin Williams, Brandon Williams. Those were the first three commits of this 2030 class. And now that their lineup has continued to evolve over and over the summer from the end of spring, technically not even summer yet, but into the the summer months, the Bruins could be a big team. And while I've been teasing a lot about a day Mara and until it officially happens, it actually happens and things could go awry if it falls through. And we've seen that already with the UCLA international recruit with the Turkish big man from last year. The Bruins can be a big team. And again, I like, I've been drawing comparisons to an Arizona, heck, even a Purdue from a couple years ago when they had Zach Gideon. I forget who was on the other side of him. But 
Purdue in recent years, Arizona in recent years, those are teams who are top seeds, top two seeds. And yes, ironically enough, those were two teams who dropped in the first round as a one, as a two, right? But you can still be extremely successful utilizing your big men. And the Bruins could have two big men, but we can push more off to the side for now. Take a look at Tiger Campbell, right? You had a little undersized point guard. Now you get a little uptick in size. And while Andrews doesn't have the veteran composure yet, I'm not going to say anything truly good or bad about that, but there's something about Campbell having started practically every single minute of games these last four seasons since coming off the ACL injury in what was his true freshman campaign even before Mick Cronin. Andrews comes in, then you've got Vide, who could be a backup point guard, get some minutes for him, 6-6. That second unit for the Bruins could be a very dynamic lineup in this upcoming year where they can go mismatch teams with guys who have 6-6 centers. Especially you play these smaller teams, you could have a 6-6, 6-7, 6-8 center. Remember, a couple years ago when the Bruins were rolling with Cody Riley, they were very undersized in their run to the Final Four. And almost this year without a Dembona undersized. And I know they had Nuba, and at the time they had Etienne. And while Nuba returns with Bona, there's still size. There's still a lot of size on this UCLA team that they must take advantage of. The rebounding, I think, in my mind, should be a big improvement for UCLA next year. And then Vic Cronin talks about that hustle bone, the deflections. Well, what was so important? I know Jalen Clark initially listed six five at the draft combine, listed at six four, who has now continued on to go with his pro career. It was his wingspan that was so important. And that's been touted, I believe, with both Vide and Cibleul. So can the Bruins continue to fill out this roster, retool the team with a, an uptick in size? And I wonder, with the youth, this is Mick Cronin's youngest roster in the last couple of seasons since that team that went to the Final Four. A team that had a Juzang coming over from Kentucky. Hawkes in his second year. Only a second, third year playing for Tiger Campbell in a UCLA uniform coming off injury. And with all those things, I'm starting to look and say, hey, this team looks a little different, right, with youth. But even in the backcourt where there could be a lot of question marks, Dylan Andrews and Jan Vide on the NBA Draft Room website are in the top 30 of the point guard rankings for next year's NBA draft class. And yes, there's not that many point guards that will get drafted, but to be amongst the some of the elite point guards potentially near the next level, the Bruins could have some sneaky good backcourt options the more and more I dive into this and realizing, hey, it might not look like it has in years past under Mick Cronin, but if they can find ways to move the ball around the perimeter, get a couple of more shooters than they had in years past, develop the post and score easily at will, not on layups off stolen passes, but be able to feed the big man and score. And most importantly, counter the opposition's big man and make them work. They didn't have to make some of the opposition's work in recent years when Bona didn't get the ball when he was on the floor. Cody Riley would grind it in the post, but he's, you know, six nine. he's undersized from a couple of seasons ago. Now the Bruins are ready with some youth, some newcomers, and some fresh faces with some potentially big size. Again, you've got some of the Williams, 6'7", 6'10". Those are some big guards. Even Sebastian Mack, I believe, 6'1", 6'2". Those are guys who are coming in, and the Bruins are trying to get bigger and better, faster, more athletic, to play that McCronin intense defense while also helping getting some more advantage offensively, which we hope they 
they use this year. All that and more we'll discuss as the weeks roll on and the days fly by. We're going to tell you more about FanDuel because, hey, FanDuel Sportsbook is the number one sportsbook in America. So why not become a part of the number one sportsbook in America? Hey, well, as we've been telling you more and more about FanDuel, you want to join FanDuel because if you're a new customer, a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. It's no better place to secure all the betting action on the play in the playoffs for America's number one sports book. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on. They're the official sports betting partner of the NBA and partners with us here at Locked On. Cruising on into segment two of Locked On UCLA. Did the Big Ten Conference get it right? I look more and more. I've been seeing different pieces written and ideas that flip between the CBS Sports, ESPN, Sports Illustrated. And one article that really caught my attention was Pat Ford. It was written a couple of days ago when the opponents slash scheduling came out. Again, we don't have the dates for those games for UCLA as they move to the Big Ten. We just know who they're playing in conference and where Scheduling those trips will become important in a, in a few weeks, months, year, whenever they release the schedule. But what Pat Ford was talking about, and something I didn't even realize, is yes, the Bruins, they're going to have to fly. That's been overly stated. The non-revenue sports, the other sports beyond just football and even basketball, the, the commercial flights and everything in between will be a huge burden for UCLA and SC. But something I also didn't notice was the fact that how many teams actually have to make two trips to Los Angeles in those first two years? Does any team have to make two trips in one season to LA? No, they actually don't. And I wonder, the Big Ten said, hey, we're going to help out our schools. We're going to keep our rivalries. UCLASC, that's a given when using this Flex Protect Plus. They tried, I believe, to help the Bruins and the Trojans out a little bit when it came to those first two years, those two plays, right, where UCLA gets to play Nebraska a couple of times those first two seasons, those protected rivalries, the divisionless conference championship game, which UCLA and SC have already a part of, two years now running in the Pac-12 in 2022 and now in 2023. So they'll be used to weird tie-breaking rules and funky different things heading into the Big Ten. But do the Big Ten get it right? At some point, everybody's chasing after the big money side and looking to get more and more money. The media deal, which the Big Ten, we talked about this a long time ago on Locked On UCLA, but the Big Ten did what they needed to do. UCLA and SC saw a grand opportunity. The other members of the conference, now 16 deep, said, hey, we're, we're going to make this happen. And everybody went after the dollar side. And the Pac-12, which has been seemingly crumbling ever since – the, the last decade where they couldn't secure a deal that got them on a channel that was visible to the across the country. And despite all the geographic senses, all the geographic things that make sense for UCLA and SC to stay on the West coast and not fly two and three time zones away almost every other weekend, if not twice a week, every other week, it, it makes more sense to stay but all these things will, will be changing in, in near trips. So while the Big Ten, I think, did a really good job making the schedule happen, I know there's the five and four model. They're not going like the SEC and playing eight conference games. If they did, I think UCLA and SC would be 
at a significantly better state because they couldn't they wouldn't go far across the country. Let's not let's not forget SC has to go play Notre Dame every other year and fly even further and further with conference games and non-conference games. So the Bruins, remember, they got Hawaii, LSU, and all those crazy Big Ten trips coming up, going to the big house in about a year and a half, right? You've got so many different things, and now the long trips will add up. And what Pat Ford brought up in this article was the academic side, mental health. How will these players stay healthy? And, and I've been able to be a part of a broadcast team that traveled and sees the Hawaii team, which travels so often from the mainland back to the islands and back and forth. And sometimes they just take travel losses. That's just the nature of the business. In football, it's a little different. You get a charter flight, you build, you have so much nutritional value and intake, especially at the power, at the power five FBS level. I think the Bruins will be fine moving into the Big Ten, despite travel being something new. Chip Kelly focuses so much on the nutritional side of things, the conditioning, the recovery. I believe UCLA football has a new YouTube page I'm not entirely sure about. But I think they were talking about their conditioning. They will be ready. I think they'll be ready in terms of having their players. It might take a year or two down the line. That first year schedule didn't do the Bruins any favors. The second year schedule, I think, despite being road heavy in conference, will be easing up. I've had this point down the last couple of days. We'll just see how it all plays out. It's an interesting, it'll be an interesting time. While we'll have fun from September to December in college football season, you'll just see how it wears on the other athletes throughout the other sports. But in the Big Ten, for now, they made sure all the other teams didn't have to come to the West Coast as much, but the Bruins and Trojans, while having to pay the price, get a lot of money to go fly out to Indiana, to Illinois, to Penn State. And while that's not necessarily here and now, they're going to build those schedules in years to come. That's the reality of the situation come, I believe, July of 2024. It's coming sooner than you think, but the Bruins are building and building for that moment. How are they building for it? Well, I'll tell you in a moment on Locked On UCLA about their football recruiting in 2024. UCLA football with Ken Norton Jr., new defensive coordinator, and Danton Landship Kelly are overhauling different spots on the roster where previous regimes like a former the former linebacking coach in Dan Pelham, whether it be Chip Kelly looking to build the offensive line, going from the Pac-12, needing to be a little more agile and quick, now to the Big Ten where you have to be strong and able to handle those cold winters from day in and day out, whether you're playing those late Big Ten games. But Bruins got another commit that I haven't talked about just yet, Another linebacker, Blake Tabaracci, if I can say his name correctly. Overall, the, U, the UCLA Bruins, their football team, six commits so far in the class of 24. And I will preface this by saying, hey, we saw this last year. Heading into the late stages in recruiting for the class of 23 cycle, Roderick Robinson decommitted and eventually went to Georgia. Then the Bruins swiveled everything and grabbed Dante Moore, having him decommit from Oregon and come to UCLA. So there's still a lot of things that can change, but the class of 24 linebacker from Park City, Utah, 6'2", 210-pound athlete, went on an official visit to Westwood. Remember, around Memorial Day, UCLA had a lot of recruits, and now we're starting to see the fruits of those official visits around that Memorial Day weekend, which was important for the future of UCLA football. We talk about this now, but Tiberachi 
Arizona, BYU, Cal, Colorado, Michigan, Michigan State. The list goes on. A three-star linebacker, and there's more power conference schools in that list who offered him, even a USC, a Stanford, a Utah, current and soon-to-be former rivals from across town, Insta State, or just a couple of states over. And he decided to come to UCLA despite being recruited by his in-state, quote-unquote, powerhouses in BYU and Utah. The Bruins go steal him as he's still scheduled to be uh, have a Cal official visit. But overall, he's committed to UCLA. He was a passer, a rusher, a receiver for Park City. But as a linebacker, 43 tackles, four tackles for loss, couple of sacks, one interception, and a fumble recovery. Went to the Rivals Camp Series in L.A., was a part of a showcase camp back in Salt Lake City in June. And I believe that's on the dropping of this podcast on the ESPN Under Armour Camp Series. Three-star recruit all over the various sites, 24-7 Sports Rivals, ESPN on three. And he is the number seventh ranked player in the state of Utah. Why is this important? As he is the number one linebacker in Utah and the number seven linebacker, the seventh best linebacker on the western side of the United States in the west and mountain regions. Six recruits for the Bruins. That's two linebackers, three defensive players going along with three offensive linemen. So there is an emphasis to be big up front, to handle, to, to dig deep in the trenches against Ohio State, USC, Michigan, even Michigan State, Iowa, all these things. I can list all the other Big Ten schools, Penn State. We can go on a, a tangent. But here we are, the Bruins, emphasizing strength, development from the youth, from right here, right now, telling these guys, hey, this is where you need to be by the time you're a Bruin because this is the type of teams and schools we'll be playing. We'll be playing in front of big atmospheres, nationally televised games, and now the Bruins are doing their best to develop players. Chip Kelly hasn't always gone out and gotten the best right-away players, those big-name prospects who have been big, you know, they've been big names since they stepped on their high school campuses and are extremely highly touted when they come to college campus. But now they're getting guys who recently, like an Isaiah Patterson, who was one of the top linebackers of the state of Washington, with Ken Norton Jr., are grabbing pieces here and there. Let's not forget Christian Dunbar-Hawkins, a four-star safety secondary member. We'll see if he gets shifted to corner. But he, they've got, they're making an emphasis to get more defensive products. One of the things I saw Sam Conan, who is one of the UCLA Fan Nation writers, he put how Don Pelham only got two linebacker commits over his last two years as the linebacker coach for UCLA. Last two seasons, the 23 recruiting cycle, now the 24 commit cycle. He's got four signees at linebacker, two linebacking commits in 2024, and the Bruins have emphasized this position specifically. They have a John John Vaughn. They have some hard-hitting guys right now. And while they had some seniors and some veterans move on from their COVID years and redshirt years, that first initial round of players from Chip Kelly's regime finally moving on because of the extra years granted due to COVID. The Bruins, they're making moves. But here's the problem. Maybe not the problem, but something to look at. Currently, as of the last couple of days, June 10th, 11th, 8th, 9th, around these, that four-day period, because commits come, decommits. So around that period, the Bruins are amongst the top 40 in the country when it comes to recruiting rankings. That can shift day-to-day. So whenever you watch this episode, it could be a, a different it could be a different ranking up or down a point. 
They were number two in the Pac-12, especially at the writing of the article from Sam Conan for the class of 24 recruiting. But in the Big Ten, they are number 11 out of 16 teams. That is the beast they're dealing with. They're not getting big composite ranking scores. They're not even getting favored heading into Big Big Ten recruiting. But if Chip Kelly can get the players that he needs to design his offense, just some good defensive players, and have Danton Lane grow the defense these last these next couple of years with that Chip Kelly extension, maybe in 2024 they might not dominate. They certainly won't in Big Ten. But they can build into something fairly competitive, we hope, in Chip Kelly's regime moving forward from conference to conference. Number two in the Pac-12 to number 11 in the Big Ten. That's the difference from the conferences. A lot more dollar signs, a lot more exposure, and maybe the benefits will pay off later, or maybe they're getting all these benefits early to handle the debt, the financial hardship, dealing with the, the failed you know, sponsorship and apparel deals. But here they are offsetting those financial hardships, but they're going to go down in the landscape. They're not falling down in conference, but they're falling down in pegs when it comes down to, oh, you were an iconic university in terms of sports in the Pac-12, and now you're going to go beat and compete these other top-tier universities in a separate region all across the country. How do they do that? They're building slowly but surely. How will it turn out? Only time will tell, which is why you got to become an everyday listener of the Locked On UCLA podcast. We'll see how this the day Mara situation plays out. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Maybe highlight more UCLA basketball. Talk more UCLA football. There's so many things that still need to be decided and talk everything UCLA and keep you interested. Thanks for listening to Locked On UCLA. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Thanks for your support or download and listen on every and every podcast platform, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anything I'm dropping, you can just go look and listen over there. You've been listening to Locked On UCLA. I'm Zach Anderson, Yoxhammer, saying so long. Get your hands up, Bruins fans. As always, eight clap time, baby. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You, C, L, A, UCLA, fight, fight, fight. This has been Locked On UCLA. Go Bruins.